The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 103 The Daughter That Wasn't 1883 April 21st The Golden Apple Ranch Colorado Wake up, lover! Thalia whispered into Paris's ear as she woke. Paris turned towards her to find the bed empty, and then she remembered. Thalia was gone. She was alone. She sat up, set her feet on the ground, sitting on the edge of her bed. She stood, reached up for the steel bar mounted to the ceiling. She pulled herself up and down and up again. She wanted to go back to bed, but she couldn't. She opened the drawer on her nightstand. Inside sat a bottle of whiskey. She reached into the drawer, but instead of pulling out the bottle, she pulled out a small photocard. On it was the picture of a woman posed as Cleopatra. The card had been a gift from Simon. She stared at the card. Cleopatra, the most beautiful woman in the world. Paris thought the woman on the card was not nearly as beautiful as Thalia had been, but she knew that was just an actor posing as Cleopatra for the photo. The real Cleopatra, Simon had told her, lived hundreds of years ago during the time of the Romans. He told her that she had died after she and her lover failed to defend Egypt from Rome. She had taken her own life when she learned of her lover's death. That should have been you, Naomi's voice told her. Paris turned. Her voice had been so clear in her mind, she thought maybe Naomi was here. But she was alone. Downstairs in the kitchen, Polyzina had already begun to prepare breakfast for the boys. Paris tried to walk silently, but a floorboard creaked and gave her away. "'Good morning, Val. Sit down and have coffee,' Polyzina instructed. Uh, "'Thank you. But I have to get to work,' Paris replied. "'The shop doesn't open for hours now. The sun's not even up. Sit down. That's an order.' "'I appreciate you trying to take care of me, Anna. But really, I need to get going,' Paris insisted. "'Are you coming for supper?' I'm having supper at the restaurant. <laughs> Tell Mother I said hi. I will. Don't stay out too late. I won't. Paris smiled. Polyzina smiled back at her. Paris stopped, not sure whether to give her a hug or a kiss goodbye. She didn't know what was appropriate, so she just backed away and left. In the stable, she began preparing Pony to ride. Strapping down her saddle, she turned for her bridle, only to find it was not on the hook where it normally hung. I'll get it, Cassandra called out. Paris could almost hear the girl jumping down from the hay bale to dash across the barn, but she wasn't there. Paris was alone. She found the bridle had fallen, picked it up and dusted it off. She'd have to have it cleaned before she used it. She set it back on the hook for now and left the stall to get a spare. The sun had not yet risen, and the restaurant was still dark. Paris walked around back, to the kitchen entrance. She opened the door that was never locked and slipped into the kitchen. Polyzina's mother stood at the kitchen counter, sifting flour into a large bowl. Belle, you're here! Pollyanna's been at the ranch, you know, the woman said. Oh, uh, I know. 
I just came from there. She sends her love. Paris answered. Do you want breakfast? Nothing's ready yet. I know that. Actually, I came to help you get everything ready. Oh, little one, you don't have to do that. But it must be harder on you now that Anna's at the ranch. I figured I have the time before the shop opens. Why don't I help you out? It's not fair to ask you to do all this work, especially after what happened between you and Pollyanna. I'm really sorry. You know, I was kind of hoping you'd be my daughter-in-law someday. <laughs> yeah, me too. But it's okay. Why don't I still come by and help you in the mornings? And then I'll come back after the shop is closed to have dinner and help you clean up before I go home. I liked learning how to cook from you. It saved me while I was away. I got a job as a cook. I have you to thank for that, and I think I'd like to continue with the lessons. So I'll help you out in the morning and the evenings if you teach me more about cooking. All right. That's a deal. Thank you, Mrs. Kinsley. Oh, no. You're not calling me that. You call me Mama like you always did. But... No buts. Mama. You got it? You need a mother anyways. God knows Luke's not doing it. Don't say that. He sees more than I thought he did. All right. Fair enough. You know how to make the stew? Why don't you start on it? I'll finish the bread. Deal. Paris said. She set her saddlebags on the chair in the corner and then got to work. Polly Zena's mother set the bread to rise and left the kitchen to set up the dining room as Paris continued cooking. Oh, is the coffee ready? Penthesilia asked. It's on the stove. Paris answered before she realized she wasn't talking to anybody. Penthesilia wasn't there. She was alone. What is it you really want? asked Elone in her mind. I just want the pain to stop. I want to feel normal again. I want Valia back. Paris whispered to her memory. Why don't you just drink it all away? It's what you're best at, Naomi's voice said with disdain. Paris knew there was whiskey in the cupboards. It would be so easy for her to take a drink. She wanted one so bad. She could put it in her coffee and no one would know. One drink. Not to end the pain, but maybe just calm it for a moment. Maybe stop the voices in her head. Just a little bit. She hadn't realized she had taken one of the bottles out until she saw it in her hand. She had lost days after coming home. Luke told her that she was at Henry's for five days. All she remembered there were moments where she would wake up, her head throbbing, her heart broken. One little drink. Just, just to dull the headache. That's all she remembers of those days. Taking one drink and when she awoke, five days were missing. She set the bottle back in the cupboard with the rest. Today she had work to do. Today was not a day she could erase. Coward, Naomi sneered. Eurycides set his saddlebags on his horse. He secured his bedroll and packed behind the saddle. He checked the straps and heard a small cough behind him. <coughs> he turned to see Lee smiling at him. That's a lot of supplies for a trip to town. You got something else in mind? Lee asked. You ain't stopping me. I wouldn't dream of it. What am I not stopping you from? I'm going up to Denver. I need to talk to a girl named Cassandra. You know her? Cassie? Yeah. I'm sure whatever you'd like to discuss with her would be an interesting conversation. Strange girl, but 
friendly, happy, and energetic, like Anna was three years ago. I'm sure she'd love to see you. She's a bit of a fan, you know. Why do you need to talk to her, though? Something happened to Thalia. I need to know exactly what passed between her and Anna. If Annabelle wanted to tell you, she'd tell you. She wouldn't tell me shit. That girl is too secretive and keeps everything so wrapped up inside herself. She's going to rip herself apart or drink herself to death if she doesn't deal with this. I just want to help her. I'm not going to stop you, and I'm not trying to talk you out of it. If you want to go see Cassandra, I'll even go with you. But it's not going to help. I have to know what happened. She died. That's what happened. Thalia was an amazing girl, irreplaceable, and I could see that Anna loved her completely. I know they were planning to move down here when they got married. Anna was just waiting for the right moment. It doesn't matter how Thalia died, because the effect is the same. Anna feels alone. She's not alone. She has a bigger family than I ever had. When I was her age, I was alone, trying to raise Edgar. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I couldn't even talk to him until you came along. That's being alone. Do you know why I left her in Denver? <laughs> yeah, she kicked your ass. Other than the fact that she kicked my ass. The reason I left her is I could see that until Denver, she was missing something in her life. She had 12 brothers and two fathers, yet somehow she was always by herself. Angelica was always off chasing Poe. Edgar, no matter how close they were, spent his days working the cattle and bossing everyone around. She did everything she could to become important to us, begging for our attention. She learned to fight, I think mostly so she could spend time with me. She learned to shoot so that she had a reason to spend time with you. She became what she thought we would love, trying to find a place among the boys. But she wasn't a boy. I always let her call me mother. She never called me father. But you're not a girl. You know she called the Amazons her sisters. She started that. And now they all call each other sister. She created a new family so that she could have one that she fit into. I knew someday she would return, but I didn't expect her to stay. Thalia's death has separated her from that family. Like Pollyanna's rejection separated her from this one. Now... She's alone. Not one of the boys. Not one of the girls. Then what do I do? How do I help her? Show her she is not alone. Not in her grief. Not in her joy. Not in the way she lives. She once told me she walks a line that most people won't understand. But I think you do, don't you? If she's going to set herself outside our family then we need to make a new family with her in it. How did you get so smart? I read a lot. <laughs> Liar. There ain't that many books in town. All right. I'll think of something. Luke began to take his saddlebags off the horse. So you're not going to Denver? Ain't no point in it now. Was this about keeping me from going up there? No, you can go up to Denver if you'd like. The old sheriff and the new one are both dead. I don't think anybody will recognize you or remember what happened. Yeah, well, maybe I still will, but not today. I'll go with you, 
It could be fun. Yeah, all right. I'd like that. Eurysity bent down and kissed him. I love you, too. Orpheus whispered after the kiss. I've come to call you out. Philocides called to Paris across the gun shop as she swept up. Yeah, Viper? Ain't that a little hard to do when you're not really here? She asked. Who says I'm not here? Philocides replied. Paris quickly turned to the door, her hand near her holster. But the shop was empty. She was alone. Damn it. That is it. I am not going to put up with talking to ghosts all day. You hear me? Paris threw down her broom and yelled up to the rafters. For God's sakes, none of you were even dead. None of us? asked Thalia. Thalia, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Paris fell to her knees and began to cry. Just please, if you can't be here, stop haunting me. Could everyone, for one day, just shut the hell up? Paris begged. Everyone who? Asked Colin. Paris didn't turn around. Colin, are you actually here? Yeah, why? He replied. Paris stood up and turned to face him. No reason. Please, pretend you didn't see that. How can I help you? Well, thing is... I was talking to Luke, and he's got some trip planned or something, and I got this bounty I need to go after. He said you could handle it. Luke sent you to me? Luke, as in my father's husband? Luke, tall guy with a southern accent, wants me to accompany you as a bounty hunter? He's got this plan, but it involves a sharpshooter. He says his eyesight's not what it used to be, and that you could handle it better. He claims you're a better shot than he is. He did. Can I get that in writing? Yeah, I don't think so. But he said it. What do you say? You want to go over the plans with me? A bounty hunter? What do I do about the gun shop? I'm sure Simon will cover you if you pay him. This seems like a setup. Are you really asking me to do this? Look, if it was some sort of con or setup, you'd probably have Henry in here talking to you. I'm no good at that. I find it hard not to tell the truth. So here's the honest truth. Luke is worried about you. I think he wants to keep you busy so you don't drink too much. But I really do need your help. And he said you really are a better shot than him with a rifle. You don't want to do it. It might not be offered to you again. All right, I'll do it. Let's make a plan. Well, tomorrow is Sunday, so the shop is closed, right? Come by the bar after church and we'll go over everything. Do I get a badge? You want to be my deputy now? Well, you know, make it official. Just a few weeks ago, you were robbing banks. Now you want to be a deputy? You really got to decide which side of the law you want to sit on. I didn't rob the bank. Not technically. Okay, maybe a little. But, come on. I'd make a great deputy. Let's get through this bounty first, and then we'll talk. Then, when you retire... I can be sheriff. <laughs> sheriff, don't make me regret this. No, no, no. I won't. I promise. I'll be there tomorrow. All right, champ. <laughs> Colin laughed as he punched Paris in the shoulder. As Paris was going through her closing up duties, she was singing to the sound of Arcadia playing the guitar. And her hair hung over her shoulder. 
tied up with the black velvet band. Arcadia's song finished with a flourish. That was beautiful. Do you know anything else? Asked Paris. I know anything you can imagine, because I'm not really here. Arcadia replied. Paris stopped, looked up from the books in the register. There was no one in the shop with her. She was alone. Damn it, she said to herself. I gotta stop doing this. She shook her head and thought after dinner she'd go to Henry's. She'd be done for the day. A couple of drinks, and then maybe she could stop thinking about them. Paris locked the doors and stepped out onto the street. Hey, kid, how you doing? Luke asked as he leaned against the post. He had been waiting for her to get off work. I'm fine. I was going to head off to the restaurant to have supper, and then help clean up a bit. Well, that's convenient. I was headed there myself, shall we? Sure. Paris and Eurycity entered the restaurant. Poe, Alan, and Orpheus were playing music in the corner. The rest of her brothers and Colin and Henry were seated around tables filling the restaurant. At a table in the center sat Alcibi, Ellie, Polyzina, and Angelica. Luke held out a chair for Paris, who sat with everyone else. Then he sat next to her. Paris looked around suspiciously. They had never played music in the restaurant. They didn't even have a piano. But now they did? It looked like the one from Henry's. Did they move Henry's piano just for whatever was going on here? Luke. Paris whispered. What is this? It's awake. Eurycity explained. Polyzina's mother came with drinks. She had seven glasses of whiskey. She sat one in front of each person, and then one in the middle of the table. When she was finished, Alcibi stood. I would like to thank you all for coming. I know it was short notice, but I'm happy you're all here. As a group, we are all different. Each of us have come here, some from a great distance. Some were born here. But our group will never be complete, because one of us is missing. Please raise a glass and drink in honor to our fallen sister, to Thalia. Alcibi drank a sip of her whiskey, and then waited for the rest of the table to do so as well. Then she continued. To me, Thalia was a friend. It took a while for her to warm up to me, the jealous little thing she could be sometimes, but she could never stay mad at anyone for very long. She showed up, cookie in hand, apologizing for the mean things she said. What mean things? I asked. Oh, it's not important, she would reply. I didn't say them to anyone but myself. I'm going to miss her. She never seemed to mind listening to my stories, and she never once told me to shut up. Alcibi took another drink and sat back down. Afterwards, Ellie stood up holding her drink. To me, Thalia was a teacher. Until I met her, I thought love was for other people. She taught me to accept myself first, and then I can accept the love I'm looking for when I find it, and I have found it in Alice. She has my heart. I gave her everything that was left after Thalia chipped a little piece off for herself, and that piece will always be with her. Ellie took a drink and sat back down. Eurycity stood next. He held his glass and took a deep breath before speaking. I didn't know Thalia, and that's probably what hurts the most. To me, she should have been my daughter. I learned about her from Lee, Anna, and Alice. For a month now, 
I've been waiting to embrace a new member of my family. But before that could happen, she was swept away. I will always regret not having known her. The daughter that never was. Eurycity took a sip of his drink and sat back down. Next was Paris. At first she didn't move, holding the glass of whiskey like an anchor. She pushed herself up by the glass and stood before the table. Thalia was my wife. Paris stopped, and everyone waited for her to continue. I'm sorry, I can't. She drank the entire glass of whiskey, set it back on the table, and then turned from her chair and walked as fast as she could without running to the kitchen. She grabbed her saddlebags and then went to the cupboard and pulled down a bottle of whiskey. She made for the back door when she heard, Kid, where are you going? Luke asked. I don't know, Mom. I don't know. I just have to find a place. Somewhere where it doesn't hurt this much. Maybe I'll go to France, she replied. You are not alone. Yes, I am. I always have been. Even when Thalia was alive, I was alone most of the time. Everybody has someone. Pollyanna has Edgar. Thalia belonged to Naomi. You and Dad, Colin and Henry. Everyone has someone to hear them, to know them. Everyone has someone to face the world with except me. I'm sorry, kid, but you are not alone. Your family, your friends, we may not feel your pain like you do, but we all have pain of our own. We all lost something when Thalia died, and our grief may not be as deep, but we have to suffer the pain of losing you and her if you run away again. You don't need to start over. We're here for you, all of us. Me, your father, your brothers, your friends. There isn't a soul in this town that wouldn't drop everything to have a drink with you. There isn't a man or woman who wouldn't be happy to share a supper with you. As long as you are here, you are never alone. Every coyote has a pack. Let us be yours. It's easier just to leave. And when have you ever done anything the easy way? Come on, champ. Fight. When you feel lonely, you fight it. You want a drink? Fight it. You feel like disappearing? You fight it. All the pain that wants to steal your life from you. If it were men with guns, you'd know what to do. These demons you carry with you, why do you let them beat you? It's time you used what we taught you. Fight. And when you finally find the girl who's ready to be yours, you let us fight with you. You're never alone. Paris dropped her saddlebags back into the chair and ran over to Eurycity. He embraced her, tears running down her cheeks. He held her and kept her close, not letting her go until she finally stopped. Everyone is waiting in the other room. Come on, let's finish this. Okay, Mom. Thank you. Paris wiped her eyes and took a deep breath before walking back into the dining room. Cassandra sat at the desk in her father's study, her legs bouncing up and down as she twirled one of her colt lightnings around her finger. She waited. It had been two weeks, and no one in Denver had seen the Amazons. They did not show up for their court dates, and wanted posters were printed for Penthesilia. William claimed victory in the city, and he put a bid in to buy the bank 
if Eleanor Castle could not be found. It was the only way he could regain his fortune without the paperwork that had been stolen. As long as he won the bid for the bank, everything was going to be okay. But he didn't have the money to bribe the city council, and over the years they had become greedy. So very greedy. If they granted the bank to someone else, everything he had was lost. Hey, Dad, Cassandra said as he walked into his study and saw her sitting at his desk. Don't call me that. And what the fuck are you doing here? He asked. You're not happy to see me, Pop? Cassandra asked in return, waving her gun around, pointing it at him. You're a twisted little bastard, and you're not my daughter. What do you want? I have the privilege of coming down to represent the Amazons. We want to make a deal. I already offered you a deal, and you turned it down. Now it's war, and I'm winning. I have a counter-offer. We have agreed to leave Denver. We will retreat, and you can go on ruling over your little kingdom of cowboys. All we want in return is the hunting camp. No. What if I sweeten the deal? Look in the fireplace. Cassandra instructed. Inside the fireplace sat the file of paperwork Paris had stolen. On top of it was a glass kerosene lamp, lit and shining bright. Is... That what I think it is? You mean, your fortune? The deeds to your restaurants and store? Is it the record of the money housed in the Denver City Bank? Yeah, that's what it is. And I'm willing to give it to you. All you have to do is sign this. Cassandra held out a legal document. She jumped off the desk, unfolded the document, and set it flat, facing him, as she walked around, putting the desk between them. He walked over and looked at it. It was the deed to the hunting camp. All of the transfer paperwork filled out, and every name but his signed and ready to go. If he signed it, the hunting camp and half the mountain would belong to Cassandra. And if I say no? He asked. Cassandra didn't answer. She simply fired a bullet into the fireplace, barely missing the kerosene lantern, and chipping the brickwork behind it. Damn it. I missed. Pulled a little to the left. Should I compensate for that and try again? No. Stop. All right. All right. Just put it away. I'll sign this. And I will give you this. But this is it. This is everything you will ever get from me. Ever again. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you saying I'm your father. We are done. (laughs) See, Dad? That's how I know you really are my father, because I want exactly the same thing from you. I want you to know, I came up here to make this deal. I snuck into this house, armed, and I have been sitting here waiting for you, but I could have so easily found you asleep instead and ended your life. So, if you ever come after me, try to deny this paperwork and reclaim the hunting camp, or do anything that just pisses me off. I will put a bullet in you. Cassandra held her gun on him as he signed the paper. He pushed it over to her and she took it. Thanks, Dad, Cassandra said as she put her gun back in her holster and left her father's study. Penthesilia stood at the entrance to the hunting camp. She was watching four of her girls bolt the Amazon sign above the gate at the entrance. Mm, A little higher on the right, 
she ordered, and the girls adjusted. That's looking good, Alone said, as she stood next to her watching. It sure is. You know, Anna gave me that sign as a Christmas present. Anna? I don't know an Anna. <laughs> That's very funny. You miss her, don't you? Yeah, but she needed to go home to see her mother. I thought you were her mother. No, I'm her big sister. Is that what you are? They watched together until the girls climbed down from their ladders and stared up at the sign. Well, what do you think? asked Alone. I think I've finally come home. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. <laughs>